is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 23rd day of January 2024. It is my sister's birthday. I won't tell you how old she is, but I'm old and she's four years older. Um, so happy birthday, Sheila. Um, yeah, Tuesday. How we doing? Today is, you know, I'm looking at my, I have a messed up screen here. Um, okay, there we go. <laughs> this is Squirrel Chat. <laughs> my, I, okay, I got to tell you, I have been awake since four. Um, it is turned out that I really can't sleep much more than six hours. And I went to bed early last night because I was tired and I was awake at three 30 and at four o'clock I gave up <laughs> and got up. I'm actually on my second pot of coffee. I've been doing some reading. I've been doing all sorts of stuff this morning. It's actually a very productive time early in the morning. Nobody is up yet. Um, Nobody, you know, the, the mouse was up. She's gone back to bed. Mrs. Squirrel, I don't think is up yet. Um, she was awake when I went back and took my shower at six, but, and, and so it's been kind of a different kind of morning for me. <laughs> um, and, and I'm just kind of off tilted here a little bit where, Things are not, it's not my normal routine, so things are are uh, acting up, shall we say. So, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com, check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there, and you are certain to find something that's doctrinally sound and worth listening to. So I commend it to you. So yeah, interesting morning, kind of, uh, I'm on my second pot of coffee, just kind of plugging along, um. We'll, uh, we'll get back on track here in a minute. Um, the, uh, New Hampshire primary is today. So we'll be interested to see how that turns out tonight. Um, this is, is, uh, this could be Nikki Haley's last hurrah. Um, there's the possibility that she might actually pull out a slim victory, although the polls are pretty much saying she's done. Um, but because of the way the New Hampshire primaries are structured, independents can vote in either primary. And so, and the, the Democrat primary doesn't count. 
So we're wondering, you know, the, the question is how many of these independents are going to vote in the Republican primary and how many of those independents would then support Nikki Haley? So Haley might pull out, might squeak one out today. But then next week, she is set to lose her home state. The state that once elected her as governor is going to support Trump in the primary. So if Haley pulls out a victory today, it's going to be a slim victory and it's going to be a short-lived victory because in the next few weeks, she's just going to get torpedoed. Um, now, I see her staying in at least through Super Tuesday, win or lose today, mainly because she has so much money being donated to her by the never-Trumper and the Republican establishment people. And remember, the, the people that are backing Nikki Haley are the same people that gave us John McCain and Mitt Romney. And these were not good candidates. <laughs> As Rush Limbaugh said, conservatism wins every time it's tried. But we keep trying moderates because we're trying to be likable. And the moderates lose. And even the moderates that have won, uh, George W. Bush, ran as a conservative um, and was actually more conservative than McCain or, or Romney were by far. Um, as much problems as I have with, with George W. Bush, he, uh, you know, he was more conservative than McCain or Romney. So it's, it, politics are an interesting, interesting thing. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all shapes out. Um, and, uh, and yes, I, I'm looking at my camera and I realized yeah, I did mess with my lighting in here. The lighting is turned down a little bit because, uh, I love these LED lights because they're all adjustable. I can go brighter or dimmer or whatever. And I turned them down last night because the way the setting that I had them on um, was overwhelming the the uh, video conference um, camera, which is over here, directly ahead of me, which is the one I use for GBTS classes. And I had class yesterday, and I have class tonight, so. Um, that uh, the lights were too bright. That one doesn't have, that it's a tiny little camera. It's called a center cam. And it, it hangs down right in the middle of my monitor, but it's just a tiny little thing. Um, pretty good picture, but it doesn't have the kind of resolution and stuff that the, the razor camera that I'm using right now for the podcast has. Um, I need to get back with uh, the folks from, uh, Lumina and see if I can't get my Lumina camera working again. I miss a lot of those features that it had. But, uh, all right, all of that, all of that to say that, welcome to Squirrel Chatter. What do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have coffee, lots of coffee. 
we have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy continues. We're starting Deuteronomy chapter 25 today. I've got some funny stories about Deuteronomy 25. Not funny about what's in the chapter, but a funny story related to it, and I'll get to that here in a minute. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is Genesis 30 and Psalm 30. Genesis 30. Then Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children. So she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And she said, Here is my maidservant Billa. Go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I may obtain children. So she gave him her servant woman Billa as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Billa conceived and, Jacob, and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has rendered justice to me and has indeed listened to my voice and has given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. And Rachel's servant woman Billa conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Nephtali. Then Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, so she took her servant woman Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's servant woman Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, How fortunate! So she named him Gad. And Leah's servant woman Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, Happy am I, for, a woman, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. And in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter for you to take my husband? 
And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, Therefore, he will lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Then Jacob came in from the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my my servant woman to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. And Leah said, God has gifted me a good gift. This time my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May Yahweh give me another son. Now it happened when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my own land. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me go. For you yourself know my service, which I have rendered you. But Laban said to them, If now I have found favor in your sight, stay with me. I have interpreted an omen that Yahweh has blessed me on your account. And he continued to say, Name me your wages, and I will give it. But he said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your livestock have fared with me. For you had little before I came, but it is spread out into a multitude. And Yahweh has blessed you in every step of mine. But now, when I shall, when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. And Laban said, Behold, let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob was pasturing the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees, and he peeled white stripes in them exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the trough, that is, in the watering channels, where the flocks came to drink. And they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs, and he made the flocks face toward the striped, and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he set his own herds apart, and did not set them with Laban's flock. Now it would be that whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, 
Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the trough so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. So the man spread out exceedingly and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now, Psalm 30. A psalm, a song of the dedication of the house of David. I will exalt you, O Yahweh, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies be glad over me. O Yahweh, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Yahweh, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to Yahweh, you his holy ones, and give thanks for the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be shaken. O Yahweh, by your favor you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid my face, I was dismayed. To you, O Yahweh, I called, and to the Lord I made my supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Yahweh, and be gracious to me, O Yahweh. Be my helper. You have turned for, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Yahweh, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ with John MacArthur. Today's devotional is entitled, Challenging a Brother. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, Matthew 7, 5b. Dr. MacArthur writes, Here is Jesus' corrective to erroneous judgment. First of all, we confess our own sin, which is often the sin of self-righteousness and of a condemning spirit toward others, and ask for God's cleansing. When our sin is cleansed, when the log is removed from our eye, then we can see our brother's sin clearly and be able to help him. We will also see everything more clearly, God, others, and ourselves. We will see God as the only judge, others as needy sinners who are just like us. We will see our brother as a brother on our own level and with our own frailties and needs. David reflects the right balance of humility and helpfulness in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. That's Psalm 51, verses 10 and 12 through 13. Jesus told Peter that after he had recovered from his moral defection, he could then strengthen his brothers, Luke twenty-two thirty-two. All confrontation of sin in others must be done out of meekness, not pride. We can't play the role of judge, passing sentence as if we were God. We can't play the role of superior as if we were exempt from the same standards we demand of others. 
We must not play the hypocrite blaming others while we excuse ourselves. Ask yourself, when have you seen this interchange done in a way that honored God, considered self, and truly benefited others? What were the key factors that contributed to the purity and peace of it? How was the rebuke handled by the one being confronted? What would make the difference if that person were you? Good words about our relationship with others. All right. Well, as I mentioned, today is the uh, New Hampshire primary. And uh, the 2019 Book of Common Prayer does indeed have a prayer for the occasion of elections. And so um, I have dug that out, and we will probably hear it a lot this year because I think it's a, a good prayer and it's one that we ought to include um, on the uh, days of elections here in our country. Excuse me just a moment. This cord is... The, the little clip that holds it to my collar, the cord had slid through it and it was just tugging on my earpiece. The technology, I know, first world problems, right? All right. For an election, we pray. Almighty God, to whom we must account for all our powers and privileges, guide and direct, we humbly pray, the minds of all those who are called to elect fit persons to serve in the government of our nation. Grant that in the exercise of our choice, we may promote your glory and the welfare of this nation. This we ask for the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We will be bringing that prayer up multiple times this year um, because we do want to bring God glory and recognition, and we do want to benefit our nation with who we elect to office at all levels of government from local, state, and federal offices. Refill my coffee cup. Being the second pot, the pot was full, so I'm actually using my Herb's House travel mug as uh, a uh, second thermos. <laughs> so I've got a full thermos here, and I've got the Herb's House mug full of coffee because um, it's the second pot, and uh, I, I needed a little bit more storage space because I didn't want to leave the coffee pot on for the hour while I was doing the podcast. Normally it's, you know, I drink a couple of cups and then the rest of it fills, fits into the thermos, but uh, I didn't want to leave it on. So I put those couple of cups in that Herb's house travel mug. A travel mug that was actually a gift from Kent Stainback himself. Which is why Steve Lawson needs to be nicer to Kent. And we'll just leave that right there. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. There are several, these are, these are again, kind of miscellaneous rules. These deal with, uh, you know, court and with family issues, um, and with business practices. 
So don't know how far we're going to get. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'll read a paragraph, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll move on to the next. Deuteronomy chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. If there is a dispute between men and they go to court for judgment, and the judges judge their case, and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked, then it shall be if the wicked man deserves to be struck, the judge shall then make him lie down and be struck in his presence with the number of stripes according to his guilt. He may strike him forty times, but no more, lest he strike him with many more stripes than these, and your brother be dishonored in your eyes. So, the, 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 there are three types of punishment. Um, and interestingly, incarceration was never used as punishment until modern times. Just locking somebody up was not the uh, method of punishment. The methods of punishment were financial penalties. You know, you had to pay for something, you break it, you buy it kind of thing. That, that you had to do, you know, financial recompense if, uh, if you wronged somebody financially. But in certain cases, the punishment was corporal meaning beating. Um, and and I, I, I think back, it was, gosh, I can't remember when it happened. I think it was in the 80s, maybe the early 90s. I'm not sure. But there was the American Sun. Uh, there were a couple of them. Um, sons of American business executives in... Um, was it Singapore? Um, I think it, I think it was Singapore. I'm not sure. It's been a long time, but it was a city that had fairly harsh rules, um, and I believe does to this day. And these young men got caught spray painting cars you know tagging cars thinking this was cute or funny well they got convicted under the laws of the land they were in now their you know, their their parents were not diplomats they had no diplomatic immunity they were business executives so they were subject to the full force of the law that they had broken they had vandalized property and they were sentenced to caning, which was a punishment by being struck by, with a rod, a, 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 I think it was like a rattan rod or a bamboo rod of about thumb, you know, about as big around as your thumb. And I remember that the, the American media went crazy about this. And there were demonstrations of how these blows were to be struck with the cane. And it was like, I think it was five blows each. Um, but they were forceful blows, and it would 
it often break the skin and stuff. And so basically they would be, they would be caned and then they would be kept in an infirmary till they recovered from the caning and then they would be released. That was the extent of the punishment. Um, but everybody in the media, in the American media, thought this was just horrible. It was barbaric. The really funny thing was, was when the media started doing man-on-the-street interviews. And they were going up to average Americans and say, what do you think about these boys being caned over in, I think it was Singapore. What do you think about these boys being caned in Singapore? And they'd stick a mic in somebody's face and, and everybody, yeah, tan their hide. When they're done caning those boys over there, they should come over here because there's a couple in my neighborhood that could sure use it. And it just, the, the, the surprise and shock and dismay of the, the, the media was hilarious because corporal punishment works. And so many, I mean, it costs a lot of money to lock people up. And there are probably a lot of infractions that, you know, it, it, a, a public whipping might just settle that. Um, and, and so corporal punishment is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's not a barbaric practice, but what, you know, this is, this is an illegal case. The judges have ruled and then the punishment was to be carried out in the presence of the judges. And it's the number of stripes according to his guilt. So it wasn't 40 stripes every time. It might be five. 40 would be an extreme case. Um, and this was why the, the, uh, the, the rule became in Israel 40 minus one. They would 39 lashes. That way, if, you know, the, the, the thinking was that they, they, if they lose count, they won't exceed 40. You know, they had a buffer because they didn't want to violate this scripture. Um, but it's not a, you know, every punishment is not 40 lashes. It could be five, could be two, could be one. You know, minor infraction, one good swat might be all it takes. But he was not to be struck more than he deserved because it says you don't want to dishonor him. This person is going to be restored to the community. And so there was a, you know, the punishment should fit the crime. The punishment should not exceed the crime. And there's a, a sense in which, you, you know, the community needs to recognize the debt's been paid. This person is now restored to the community. And uh, this should be done without dishonoring them. Um, but still, the punishment needs to be carried out. But 40 was the maximum strike. And if somebody committed something that was worth more than 40 stripes, it was probably a capital crime, in which case they would be put to death. So 
that was the, you know, so you had financial punishment, you know, you had to pay restitution. You had corporal punishment where a person would be, would be, would suffer physical pain as punishment. And then the third, of course, is capital punishment. And probably all three of those need to be brought back. <laughs> it, uh, um, could you imagine, you know, how, how quickly would all of these smash and grabs stop if they strung them up in the middle of the city square and, and, and beat them as punishment for what they've done and make them pay for what they've stolen? Um, and I understand, I mean, it's like anything. It, it, it can be abused, but the abuse of it doesn't define it. Yeah. The abuse of it doesn't define it. And, and flogging has, you know, in, in, you know, flogging was, was carried out in ancient times in the military and, and ancient, and I mean, not even ancient, historic times. Um, you know, the British military, the British Navy was famous for flogging sailors that broke the rules. Um, the, the uh, you know, now I know here in the United States, we tend to think of flogging in reference to whipping slaves. Um, and, and that was not a, a decent practice, but, you know, if you've watched, uh, Master and Commander, that fantastic book, fantastic movie based on the O'Brien books, um, there's a sailor that broke the rules and he got sentenced to lashing. And that was the, that was the punishment. But it was done and it was over. It was done and it was over. And that's the thing here. You know, don't dishonor him. You know, if you're going to lash him, that's the punishment. Lash him and be done with it. So it's not necessarily a barbaric or evil practice. Pain is a good method of instruction. You know, spare the rod and spoil the child. You're not to beat somebody half to death. The purpose of this striking is not to injure the person. It's to inflict pain on the person so that they learn. Um, and so they don't do it again. And so the other people go, I am not doing that. Because if I do that, I'm going to end up where he is, and I don't want that to happen to me. It, punishment is a deterrent to crime. And Locking somebody up with three hots and a cot and cable TV is not necessarily punishment. Um, you know, so maybe we ought to consider bringing back some of these quote unquote barbaric practices. All right. Verse four, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing a worker must be allowed, a worker, whether man or beast, must be allowed to enjoy the fruit of his own labor. 
Um, specifically, this is talking about, you know, threshing grain. They're saying don't muzzle the ox. So as the ox is working, you can take a bite of the grain every once in a while. Um, you know, you keep him working. You don't just let him sit there and munch the grain. But while he's working, if he munches a mouthful of grain, you don't make a big deal out of it. And, and this is, you know, a worker should enjoy the fruit of his labor. And uh, this is brought up in 1 Corinthians 9. This is brought up in, in 1 Timothy 5 and in 2 Timothy 2 that, you know, it's, it's applied to um, ministers and evangelists that, you know, the minister is worthy of his wages and, and any, any worker is worthy of his wages. Don't expect someone to work for free. Um, I, I remember there's a classic sign. I've seen it several places. And it says, you know, yes, you are our friend, but yes, we still have to charge you for our services. Um, we have to make our money off our friends because we found out that our enemies will not do business with us. Um, if somebody's in business, don't expect freebies. Now, if you get freebies, that's their prerogative. And you can rejoice in that and enjoy that and be grateful for that. Um, and, you know, but don't expect, don't expect freebies. Um, I, I remember... Those are they don't serve breakfast anymore. It was the Montana Club, and there for a while it worked out for my schedule that once a week they they opened at six thirty, and once a week I was there at six thirty every Friday and had breakfast, and I would be the only play. You know, they just opened. I was the only one in there. And, you know, I got, really got to know the waitress very well um, because she didn't have anybody else come in until I mean, she came in and opened. And I think somebody else showed up at seven, you know, so that first half hour, it was just her running the, the floor and a cook in the kitchen. And so I would go in and I usually have the same thing. They had a, a early bird special. It was four fifty. This tells you how long ago it was. It's four fifty. It was bacon or sausage, two eggs, and toast. I'd usually have a biscuit and a side of gravy. Fact, they had the best biscuits and gravy. Mm. I miss Montana Club breakfast. They don't serve breakfast anymore. They don't open till like eleven now. Um, and it's really sad because it was one of my favorite breakfast places. Um, but uh, so you had, you know, breakfast at the Montana Club was the thing. Well, every, I, I think it only happened two or three times. But I'd finish my breakfast and the waitress came out and said, you know, the, the, um, Bob and Nick are the owners of Montana clubs. And the waitress would come out and say, Bob and Nick got your breakfast this morning. 
you know, that it was just, it was on the house. It was a, a free breakfast. Certainly never asked it, never expected it. That was a nice thing. But don't expect things for free. You know, that was just her way of thanking me for being a regular faithful customer. Um, I said, I, I'm, I miss, <laughs> I miss those mornings. Uh, it was a, it was a good morning to have. Um, that was always a, uh, an interesting day. I got a lot done on that day. I was, I was working four tens at the time. And so I was off on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, but Mrs. Squirrel still had to work. So I would drop her off at work, go have breakfast. And I think she worked a short day that day um, because when I was working those 10, she was working longer days. Um, and so I think she got off lunchtime, you know, one o'clock maybe on, on Fridays. And so we would, you know, have lunch, do any shopping and go home. That I'd have that morning, I usually spent it at a coffee shop reading and, and working on my sermon and whatnot. Um, but I always had breakfast at the Montana Club. I mean, that was, you know, it was four fifty for the early bird special. Oh, man, it'd be like 12 bucks now. <laughs> a couple of eggs, bacon, and toast. Um, hash browns. Had hash browns. So egg, bacon, hash browns, and toast for four fifty. dollars um, I miss those days. That was, that was a good time. But a worker is worthy of his wages. People shouldn't be expected to work for free. And, and so don't expect that. All right. Picking up in verse 5. If brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, then the wife of the one who died shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it will be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if, a, if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the to the gate to the elders, and say, "My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me." Then the elders of his city shall summon him and speak to him, and if he stands and says, "I do not desire to take her," then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall answer and say, thus it is done to the man, excuse me, who does not build up his brother's house. And in Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. So this is what's called Leverite marriage. The Latin word lever, L-E-V-I-R, is, is husband's brother, brother-in-law. So a leverite marriage. The, this was if a, if a man was married and died without any children, his brother had the duty to take 
the widow as his own wife. And the firstborn of that union would be legally considered the dead brother's son and heir. So this was entirely designed to ensure the inheritance, etc. Um, and and this we we see this, you know, going back to uh, the 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 um, in the history in Genesis talks about Judah and Tamar that you know Tamar was married and her husband died and so then the next son took her but didn't fulfill his obligation to her um, the uh, I believe the, the phrase in the scripture is he spilled his seed on the ground meaning he took her, but he didn't finish the job <laughs> um, so that she would not be pregnant. And the reason he did that was so that he would not lose his brother's inheritance. Um, it, was, it was an evil act. He knew that if she got pregnant, that child was the heir of his son or of his brother, and that would be the end of that. So God struck him dead. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting tale, but that was the whole thing was that you, you know, the, 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 she deserved a son from her husband, her husband being dead, that responsibility fell to the brother and it all has to do with inheritance and, and the value of the inheritance. Um, and there was a penalty for it that if you did not, you know, now this is not. Um, this is not, uh, considered, you know, in, it's not legal for a man to have his brother's wife in adulterous relationship, but once the brother is dead and there are no children, and that's the key thing. So we're, we're, we're dealing with a young family that has not had any children yet. He was to raise up children for his brother or a child, the first child. You know, if, if you know, he would take her as wife, the first child was his brother's, the second child was his. Um, but it was, it had to do with inheritance. It had to do with, you know, the continuation of the family line and the family name and all of that. And, and so that's the, that's what this is all about. Um, and then there was a, you know, it was a, um, penalty if it wasn't done, you know, that this was a, a matter of, of, uh, you know, you should have taken care of your, your family. And if you don't, you would be publicly shamed for not fulfilling your familial obligations. Um, but again, it all had to do with inheritance and property and everything, which has to do with God's gift of the land to Israel. The, 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 
the land was divided amongst families by lot. And that inheritance of that land was to be passed down. Now, there, there's also provision in the law that if a man had only daughters, the daughters could inherit. So there, there, you know, these, it's all, there's, there's a lot of stipulations here and things. But in this instance, if a man dies while the couple is childless, his brother is to marry his widow. All right. Now, my funny story. I said I had a funny story. Um, at the church I used to pastor, we read through the Pentateuch one chapter each Sunday. And we had gotten up to chapter 25 of Deuteronomy, and I was out of town. And so I had a friend who was preaching for me. And I said, okay, this is, you know, Deuteronomy 25 is the, the chapter that we're reading this week. Um, so, you know, would you, would you read that? And, uh, it's no, there's no commentary. It was just reading the chapter and then the pastoral prayer. And then, you know, he was preaching for me and, and but he was not, I didn't assign a text for him to preach. I just said, Hey, this is what, this is the reading that we're doing. And, and he knew what we were doing because he had, he, he was my go-to fill in guy. And so he had done this before. So it wasn't a surprise to him that we were going to read a chapter from the Pentateuch because I mean, it took a couple of years, you know, several years, you know, 52 Sundays in a year, 52 chapters, you barely get through Genesis in a year. So to get to Deuteronomy, we'd been doing this for a while. And so he had, he had done this before. And I will be honest, I had not read ahead. Well, he's reading Deuteronomy 25, and he came to verses 11 and 12. And all I got was a text that afternoon. Yeah, thanks a lot. So, Deuteronomy 25, 11 and 12. If two men, a man and his brother, are struggling together, and the wife of one of them comes near to deliver her husband from the hand of the one who is striking him, and she puts out her hand and seizes his genitals, then you shall cut off her hand. You shall not show pity. This is the only punishment by mutilation that we find in the law of Moses. This is also an intentional act. This is not an accident. Two men are fighting. The wife of one of the men underhandedly attacks the other man. Nothing wrong with her defending her husband. It's the manner. This has to do with sexual purity. This is an immodest act. And this was the only, only thing punished by mutilation in the Pentateuch. It was the cutting off of the hand. It says, and you shall not show mercy. You shall not show pity. Yeah. She did this knowing the consequences, and that's it. But 
anyway, that afternoon I got a text from my friend. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, it's a, and yeah, you know, there's nothing really to say about it, but that's that's what it is. All right, we'll pick up tomorrow in verse 13, finish the chapter out. Um, so on that note, we will conclude our study Bible level Bible study this morning. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And the colic for the third Sunday of Epiphany. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For peace we pray. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday. Again, happy birthday to my sister. Also, happy birthday to Miss Regina, who is the person who really runs Grace Bible Theological Seminary. <laughs> um, don't, don't tell uh, Jeff Johnson or Owen Strand I said that, but we all know who's in charge. <laughs> and it's Reggie. Um, that it is her birthday today as well. So happy birthday. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. If it's not your birthday, happy birthday anyway, or happy unbirthday, as uh, Alice in Wonderland would say. Well, have a great Tuesday. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless.
Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.